And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Presenting sponsor for today's episode of Civilized Barking is Visa, a network working for everyone. Hey everybody, Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, uh, coming about an hour and 15. After uh, the strange game, the Browns win 14-7. We are inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, it started out wild, like it was going to be first to 40. Um, instead, it was first to 14. Um, and what a strange game, as I mentioned, and I'll probably say 10 more times, Jason, but um, when the Browns are good, and they are, you know, we've been saying this for months, it's going to come down to little things like, um, you know, converting when you sco- when you get in the red zone and your red zone defense. Well, in the last two games, the opponent has only been in the red zone twice. That's a pretty good formula and obviously different circumstances, but I just think that Andrew Barry's remade defensive line won the game for the Browns today. Yeah, I, it, I've said this before, but I sort of use our podcast as maybe a little bit of a therapy session to figure out what I'm going to write. And I have absolutely no idea today what what I'm going to write after that. But I, I do agree. You know, you can say just to, what they did to Justin Fields last week. You could say, OK, they're at home. It's a rookie quarterback making his first NFL start on the road. You know, you can you can maybe explain away a little bit of it. But you can't explain it away today for what they did today and, and to come into this place that obviously Kevin Stefanski is very familiar with and to have this type of defensive performance. You know, you can say that the defense is going to be revamped. You can say you think it's going to be improved, but until you actually see it, you know, you just don't know. Right. And we've seen it now two weeks in a row. We've seen what they're capable of. And it's really been uh, a, a really, really impressive effort. Yeah, I mean, longer and faster on defense was the goal. Right, and spend resources on Newsom, who wasn't here, uh, but JOK, who's been great, right? And, and you know what Miles is, and paying him a year ago was a no-brainer. Um, and putting better guys around him, bringing in Tech to rush on third downs and other select spots. Well, he was big today, right? Um, what should have been the last play, and I think the Browns mismanaged it several times, <laughs> um, Malik Jackson gets the push. You know, Cousins knows Miles is coming, which is the whole intent. He steps up. Malik McDowell pushes his guy back. Malik Jackson's right there. I mean, he throws it to no one. If it's not fourth down, that's intentional grounding, right? It was it was darn close to a fumble. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think credit to all involved there. And Joe Woods, who's going to continue to be maligned, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but there's growth. And four games into a season, right, um, you know, the first four quarters – they all count. The strange games count. The Chiefs game counted. The Texans game counted. But now over the last eight, you've seen real growth from the defense. You clearly saw an adjustment. Even if it was just an attitude adjustment today, you saw guys make plays. I thought Troy Hill was every bit as big as Greedy who made the pick. I thought Denzel Ward was excellent, and he tips the ball away along the Brown sideline on – not the, was it the last yes. drive? or the I think, I think it was the last drive. 
Yeah. Yeah. So again, and, and we'll get to um, exactly how the game was managed and exactly how poorly both quarterbacks played. But you heard Greedy say, you know, just how thankful he was for the opportunity. And you heard him say, we spent the week preparing for the deep ball and they took it away. And the defensive line is a huge, huge part of that. And I just think um, probably not going to see many 14-7 games along the way. Maybe I'm wrong on that, right? But to win one on the road under the circumstances in which it started and give up an eight-minute drive, get sliced through 75 yards to start the game, and they don't score again, they don't get back to the red zone, um, that's just really, really, really impressive and something you can build upon. The, the NFL is built for scoring today. The, the NFL is not built for 14-7. to 7. The NFL doesn't like 14-7. to 7. Right. They, they want 34-27. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, so, so the teams know I, they've got their first 10 to 15 scripted, right? I, you and I talked about this a little bit during the game. So Minnesota knows what they're going to run when they come out. And the fact that the entire first quarter was taken up by two possessions, one for each team, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. So what is it about a defensive effort that you can look so bad, and we see it all the time, maybe not to this extent, but a team will run down the field, boom, 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 score, and then it changes after that, and it's never the same. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, you're always making adjustments in, in the levels of complication, right, and detail, with, with the game plan and how you attack and how you know you're going to be attacked and counter punches or all that. But from what I saw, and obviously I won't go back until tomorrow and, and rewatch it, was just the Browns' defensive line getting in the way and the blueprint of these guys being so disruptive and JOK running like a madman behind them and closing, um, you saw that play out. You saw a Vikings team try to throw screens – and try to get rid of it quickly to counter that, to make the Browns pay for their aggression, right, to, to, to wear Miles out by throwing on one-and-a-half-step drops and two-step drops as soon as he really starts his pass rush moves. But, man, they closed quickly. I mean, I, I know Dalvin Cook left the game for a bit uh, to get retaped or get the, the ankle worked on, whatever it may have been. But, I mean, he busts one run in the fourth quarter and almost busted one screen pass. He's He was pretty quiet, right? Like – I just saw, Jason, I just saw a crashing down at Cousins' feet in his, in his vision. Um, you know, I, rem- I don't think, with the exception of Ward, that the Browns, the Ward tip away that we already talked about, that the Browns really defended um, Justin Jefferson on a pass that he got. But one of them was a holding <laughs> away from the play. Yeah. And the fact is he just didn't get too many chances because the Browns got there so quickly. Do you? How much does Kevin Stefanski's institutional knowledge do you think played a factor in in the scheme today? He downplayed all week coming back here. He downplayed after the game that would have meant anything extra to him. But just knowing so well this this team and being with them for so long, do you think that had anything? To, do you think he spent more time in the defensive room this week maybe than usual? Um, I don't know, but I think Kareem kind of touched on it post game when he said we know each other well, right? I think the bread and butter red zone plays where Baker's so good with the misdirection and hiding the ball and all that stuff. I think the Vikings have the same stuff. <laughs> I think the Vikings have a really experienced defensive line. I thought Michael Pierce, the nose tackle, really gave the Browns fits. And they have really experienced linebackers, Barr and Kendricks. Those guys are quick and they're smart and they've seen a lot and they especially see their own offense, right? So 
I think the familiarity became a factor when it became a slog. But you also heard Stefanski say that he didn't take the three early because he thought it was going to be a high-scoring game, and then yep. it became the opposite of that, right? Yeah. And now his mindset, he's always leans aggressive even though he says he doesn't, right? In his mindset, with this defense for the first 20-some games now of his Browns career has been, we better score, we better pilot on. As soon as he and Baker got comfortable with each other, Last year, you saw the Browns throw like crazy early and try to build these leads. Whether they were safe or not is a different discussion. Well, today, the Browns were down 7 nothing, and it turned out they were still safe. So, you know, they finally punched it in the end zone. <laughs> Again, you'll, you'll never see a first quarter. You'll probably never see a first quarter where there's two possessions and the second one isn't finished. You probably could watch the NFL for the rest of your life and not see an 18-play, 64-yard scoring drive by the Browns that ends in a touchdown, right? But they finally got it in there. We know how good they are in the red zone. We know how good Kareem Hunt is in the red zone. And it finally took them to get it in. And then the Vikings get that penalty, go for two. And then with the Kareem Hunt run later, like the whole game changed in about a minute and a half sequence. Yeah, it really did. And we'll get to that 18-play drive because I think – I need to double check this – Nine of those plays were after they got to the five. They ran nine plays from first and goal on the five, and six of them were throws. They had the hold in there and, and you know, whatever else, but and the defensive holding gave a new set of downs. I, I There is a lot offensively that really kind of perplexed me and I didn't understand, but one more on the defense first before we get there. How much do we need to see before we declare that this defense is legitimate? Yeah, well, I, I think if you say – if you don't say it now, then then you're silly, right? I think you could say we want to see more. You can say you're going to need to see more as as Ronnie Harrison leaves the game with a concussion today, and you know Denzel either left the game or went to another position for one play, and the Vikings threw over top of AJ Green like immediately, right? And then there was a timeout. The, the Browns challenged, which may have been to allow Denzel to gather himself. I I, I don't know. It was on the um, sack. It was right after he got the half sack. I think with I think they gave Miles half of it as well. And you're yes. right. He left the field. I don't know if he had an equipment issue. I don't know if he got dinged a little bit. I, I don't know. But he you're right. He left the field for one play. He left and the they field went for right one. at him. And they, they went, went right, right at his spot. Yep. Yeah. And then you saw the scare. You know, Clowney went down in the last couple of minutes there. Um, yeah, they're legitimate. These are two outstanding performances in very different circumstances. But I, I just, like I said, I, I go back to the whole blueprint and the whole vision of we have this once-in-a-lifetime freak in Miles Garrett, right? And if we can get better around him and and allow the guys to just come in and make these plays, um, one that won't even show up on the stat sheet necessarily, a little flat pass to the side we were sitting on, Jason. Uh, I want to say second quarter, um, it looks like, they got something there, and JOK's there to close. And I don't know if it was incomplete or he made the tackle, but it's just the idea of they cover a lot of ground in a short period of time, right? And Cousins with the straight drop back, wanting to throw deep. They got there. They beat him to his own spots. And then when the Vikings tried to counter that with the screens and the, the swings and, and that stuff, I mean, they were just all over it today. They, they just were really, really screaming to the ball. Uh, I know it got negated by the roughing the passer call, but Grant Delpa comes in and makes that great breakup. Troy Hill, an active game. Um, you know, I don't recall Greedy being involved in more than one play before the interception, and that's good, right? Because you usually notice corners if they make big plays or they give up big plays. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he did it. So, let me before we get to the offense, let me tell you guys a quick story here. So, 
we always try to do these after the games in at home. Um, I go to one of the radio or TV booths. Jason has the same spot that he goes to in a, in a suite somewhere. We, we hook up and we go. So we've never been to the stadium. We start walking and we go in a room and we get yelled at. And the guy says, can I help you? We basically say we're looking for somewhere, somewhere to podcast. And he says, well, this is reserved for someone else. Go there. So we started it. I'm sure you guys heard this. Oh, it sounds really like a party in the backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, these people came in from the, the kitchen staff and like he, he first saw me and said, oh, sorry. And I just gave him the thumbs up and pointed to the microphone like it's all good. Well, they proceeded to just carry on this conversation and do their work behind me. And I'm, so you're talking and I can't hear you, right? And I'm debating, like, do we stop? Do we keep going? Whatever. And then he comes over and, like, I can feel someone's close to me. And I'm like, uh, this isn't good. Well, on the back of a little dish here, he wrote, we're done. Enjoy the quiet with a smiling face. So, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it totally anyway. sounded like a party going on behind you. I was yeah, going to say um, So speaking of quiet, there was there was no rap lyrics from the quarterback after the game. <laughs> um, but he didn't shave three times today, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, no, there's progress in there. Look, um, we'll talk about it and – probably need to see more to go into detail. But for as strange as this was, and for a couple of the blatant misses there, um, Stefanski clearly trusted him, kept going back to him, right, for one. And for two, like, this says a lot about the Browns as a whole. I don't think the Vikings feel like we should have won this. I, I feel like the Vikings feel disappointed. I feel like the Vikings fans and the Vikings feel angry here, Jason. But it's not like – the Browns just were the bullies in this game. And so, yes, it was weird and it was ugly, and the Vikings got too, too many chances down the stretch and didn't catch them in. But they didn't get inside the damn 20 again after the first drive of the game. Like, this was a pretty thorough performance. And although the Browns usually play 42-41 games, and although the Browns' offense on paper and in recent history is way stronger than the defense, like, just because this – it was flipped today – doesn't mean that the Browns aren't built for it with this running back and this offensive line. Like, weird, choppy, not perfect, sure. Browns pretty dominant? I think so. Yeah, the, I, I think you I think you nailed it, actually. I didn't really think of it that way. But the Vikings cannot walk out of here saying we gave one away. They got beat. They got beat at home on their own field by a team that was better than them in all phases of the game. And Baker was absolute garbage today he was awful and he even said so himself he called it i think a piss poor performance 15 to 33 155 yards like the 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 the, the play to felton in the flat the fact that he took a sack on that is is mind-numbing only worse by the fact that he hit batonio in the back of the head on another screen like i i don't know i don't know what baker was thinking today but i will tell you like the the one saving grace in this performance is he didn't turn it over and he, it's not like he, he set Minnesota up, gave them momentum and a chance to score on a short field. Now, you know, I could also say he wasn't accurate enough to throw an interception. He was nowhere near that. He was throwing on the wrong shoulder to Odell. He, I, like, he looked like Mox after a night at the strip club with Tweeter and Billy Bob. Like, it was that bad. So you want to chalk it up and say it's one performance, it's one bad game. Okay, fine. Go ahead. I said, you know, before the season, I need to see more before I pay that guy. And the fact they haven't paid him, this is going to be the conversation all year is whether or not you pay him. And based on what we saw today, he'll never get paid. But it's one bad game. You crumple it up and throw it away and move on from it. 
But boy, oh boy, I don't know how you explain. And again, I'll go back to what I said before. They ran nine plays from first to goal on the five on the touchdown drive. They snapped the ball nine times from the five. And then they had the hole that pushed it back to the 15. And they threw it on six. And I looked at you I'm like, it's like Stefanski doesn't want, like he's got the best two backs in the league and he's afraid to run it against this Minnesota front seven. There was just a lot of mind-blowing play calling today, uh, both at the, end of the, at the end of the half and at the end of the game. Yeah, um, you hit on a bunch. You, you hit on everything here. There's a bunch. Um, let's let's compartmentalize it a little. Sorry, bit. I just had to spew. No, no I, I I understand. No, I I agree with everything you said. <laughs> um, um, so so Baker was bad last week, right? He bailed himself out with the big time throw to Hooper, and then he and OJ did OBJ did connect a few times when they needed it, right? Uh, but but Kareem Hunt saved the past game last week, and then. It was really only a three-quarter game because by the time they got to the fourth, Miles and the pass rush had had put it out of reach, right, um, and, and just dominated. So this week he was more erratic. Um, they didn't hit the one – well, the, he and OBJ did hit the one in the middle of the field in the fourth quarter, but they certainly didn't come close to a two, right? Right. Um, he, he got hit. He's clearly favoring that shoulder now. He's not going to say it. I gave him a chance after the game. Uh, we're all going to be armchair doctors. Is he wearing a brace and it's affecting his accuracy? There's a strong chance. Is he in pain and it's affecting his accuracy? There's a strong chance. Has bad Baker always missed high when he misses even before the injury? Yes. So uh, some combination of those three things is going on. And I think it one. I think he was pressing today. I mean, the only explanation on the Felton thing is he is frustrated and just doesn't see him, because Jason, he's he's five feet in front of him, standing there, going, "Throw me the ball." Yeah. And we've seen Baker be good at improvising, at throwing different angles. I mean, he's a smaller quarterback, so for years he has learned to use that angle and throw it sidearm, underhand, push it out. I mean, hell, just last week we saw it. We we've seen it in all some version of it in all three previous games. So. Um, it's not one bad play there that has you down. It's that there were a lot of misses. And I thought specifically the drive with about four minutes left, we're in second and third and 10, he's throwing. That's on the coach. I mean, you're, you're no longer showing trust in your quarterback there. You're, you're, you're calling the wrong play, right? Like yeah, that yeah. one down the middle to Anthony Schwartz was not going to happen. Not today, not today, not any chance. Right. So, Let's let's start with the shoulder and the accuracy. Um, he's he's got to get it right, but those nobody likes excuses, but those seem legitimate, correct? Oh, for sure. And and you know we I think we preface every podcast with Kevin Stefanski's a lot smarter than we are, and I'll say it again: Kevin Stefanski's a lot smarter than I am. But if the shoulder is still bothering him, why are they calling quarterback keepers off? What would you call that RPO play? I forget who it was, Kareem or, or Nick, that he fakes the handoff and keeps it himself. And I looked at you, I'm like, was that a cold play? And you said, absolutely. I'm like, I, wh- why are you doing that? If your quarterback's got a bum shoulder, why are you putting him in that position? Yeah. Yeah, um, and that's worth asking. Now, he, he got hit mostly today just, just in the flow of the game doing normal things, and part of it was not getting rid of it. Um, you know, we don't and won't know how much of it was, was either – not trusting what he saw or not seeing open. And, and the one thing when he talked about the management of the game late was he said that he just – he was always going to throw the ball a certain way to Odell. We're talking about the one at the end, right? Um, 
and Odell was basically running up on the outside open, and Baker was always going to throw that inside because of the way the defense was slanted because he knew the pressure would be coming from a certain way. So he called that miscommunication. Now that doesn't account for the three others where he missed it. So Right, right. You know, what makes this offense so dangerous is that Odell – Letting loose and flying can always pop the top off, whether you're doing it to try to close the game or to get a spark or all of those things. But it just didn't hit. I, I thought Odell was primed for a big game. He clearly wasn't. And, you know, going back 50 weeks now, that's how Baker played at the beginning of last year. So um, it is two bad ones in a row. Um, they can't win championships if he plays like that. No. But – Again, it comes back to a road win over a team that has a lot of good players. I, I don't know that I can call the Vikings a good team because I think a day like today is how GMs and coaches get, get fired and things spiral off the rails, right? Because I've seen this a time or ten in my <laughs> career. <laughs> but um, it was. It was a garbage performance, and he needs to be better. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. So, I, I just had a thought in my head about, oh, yeah. So, to, I'm trying to think back to last week in the Houston game. Here's the one thing that I'll say. You can't just crumple this up and throw it away and move on. Like, this is this is what's alarming to me. And it's something that you and I have discussed during games before. I don't know if we ever brought it to the podcast. Baker's at his best on boots, right? When when the pocket's moving, when when he's on the run, he can be very effective. And Kevin is really good at putting him in those positions. Today, he operated almost solely out of the pocket. I can think of one boot and the Vikings were there and just ate it up. Is so so how much of a concern is it that and and help me with last week? Because honestly, I don't remember off the top of my head. It doesn't feel like he was he ran too many boots last week, but maybe I'm making that up. How much of a concern is it that when teams make him a pocket quarterback, he seems to be less effective? And today, it almost looked like it was a scheme. Like, they weren't even really trying to put him on the move. No, I, I think it's been taken away, you know, to an extent. And I think the Bears are a really good, really physical defensive front that were able to get enough push, you know, kind of on their own to, to allow guys to do that. And I think the Vikings – run the exact same offense and and have really veteran defensive linemen and linebackers who have seen everything, right? So um, different challenges lie ahead, and, and he has to be better. Um, you know, I, I would say this. He has built up enough equity with this team and with me that I know he can play better because last October – you couldn't say that, Jason. Right. And, and frankly, even though as, as, as these things go, the season goes, that game in Kansas City was a long, long time ago. 
I mean, how did he play for the first 53 minutes of that game? He was incredible. Spectacular. You thought, thought, oh, my God, like this guy's going to be an MVP candidate, (laughs) right? Um, And so today was the exact opposite of that. All things considered, Brown's healthy and coach and quarterback on the same page and quarterback and receivers on the same page. In the middle of that is good enough. Um, Larger discussions on, you know, can he be better than in the middle of that? Can the Browns really trust him? I don't know that those discussions come into play right now. I, I really don't. I think the Browns have a formula. I think he's, they're obviously committed to him for right now. And because they have seen him play better, and because they have 22-ish games of being together and being in this offense, and they finally st- stopped stunning his growth by their own doing, right, then I don't think it's a panic button. I really don't. Some of you might – Say I can't believe I'm hearing me say this, right? But I, I, I think the guys are entitled to have bad games, and I do think the Vikings, knowing what the Browns do well. I mean, Stefanski's always been the greatest thing to ever happen to Baker, guys. He, he just has. It's it's the offense, it's the rhythm, it's you know the way the way he puts him in situations. The Browns couldn't get to those situations today, as you mentioned. So, sitting here an hour and a half after the game, I can't tell you exactly why that was. But I feel with a fair level of confidence that I can end this ramble by saying I'm not reaching for the panic button on the quarterback on October 3rd. Well, speaking of $30 million quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins wasn't much better today. No. Like, no. It, he, he just like, – it, it's funny to me that, you know, like, I, I think, you know, Kevin obviously has operated a, sim- a system similar to what he had Kirk in uh, during his time here. And, and now to see these two – face-to-face and to see them both struggle as badly as they did. I, I, I don't know if there's anything you can read into that or if it's just something you point to and move on. But, I mean, let's be honest. Kirk Cousins was – he was better than Baker today, but not by much. No, he was awful. Um, and, and as I often say here, especially right after games, like bear with us because sometimes just being here live and not seeing the replay, I feel like we're missing something. Yeah. But, like, what the hell was that last play? <laughs> yeah, I have absolutely no idea. I think it's just panic. Knew he was going down. I mean, I know part part of the intent is to draw a pass interference, but that can't be the full intent. Like, you can't throw it in the dirt and think that they're going to call it on a guy diving back. Like, it looked to me like he threw, like, a ground ball. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and and so, look, Cousins had been playing well. Uh, Going back over 10 games, he had been one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league. Uh, Over the last eight quarters, the Vikings had been awesome. They lost a wild shootout in Arizona. Down 17-7 to Seattle last week. They came back and dominated that game. I watched it this week, and Cousins was on point. The Browns just got to him today. They did. They 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 made they gave him happy feet. They knew exactly where his preferred spots were to drop and to look, and they took it away. And, uh, you know, smart people thought that this would be a grinder um, because of the way these teams are built and that both want to run the ball. But, like, I don't think that it was 14-7 because both wanted to run the ball. There, there's obviously the circumstances early with the time of possession and Stefanski punts on on taking the early points. But I just think the Browns' defense just beat Kirk Cousins to the spot all day long. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Browns have a kicker, Zach. Yeah, a pretty That's good all. one, too. The, the Browns have a kicker. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just um, making that announcement. Yes. Um, let me tell you guys about Chase McLaughlin. He's only 25 or so. He's only been kicking for not even 10 years. This is his sixth team. Yeah, he's 25. Um, this is his sixth team in two years. Um, and, someone, and, and I've written this many times. The Browns Pro Personnel Department has done a wonderful job of finding the C-level free agents and the little moves that show up. That's Malcolm Smith, right? Um, you know, that's Malik McDowell to an extent. And finding Chase McLaughlin on the waiver wire when the, right after the draft, bringing him in here. Wow. Um, both today were no-doubters, right? And, and obviously these are optimal kicking conditions. But when I talked to Chase a couple of weeks ago about what happens when the weather goes, he said, yes, I'm from Texas, but I spent five years in Champaign, Illinois. And he said, yes, I'll admit that the one thing, you know, as I go about it and I work on my all-around game and I feel like I'm surrounded by good coaches and good people, but I got plenty of leg. <laughs> and, man, in the last two weeks he's shown it. And I just think obviously today because of the shape of the game and the circumstance, you know, Cream Hunt makes that unbelievable play and what's really a surrender situation, and it makes it more than a field goal game, change the circumstances later. But to know he's going to bomb it, just, just the confidence that he can make it, it changes your decision-making, and it can loom so large going forward. Absolutely. And, you know, it has to be confidence-building for him as well, not only the faith that Kevin Stefanski, I'm sure, has in him now that maybe he didn't have two weeks ago, three weeks ago, because you just didn't know. Leg has never been an issue for him. I'm not going to pretend to be a Chase McLaughlin expert. I don't know what went wrong at the other stops, but I'd imagine it's accuracy, you know, not being able to kick it straight. Uh, but, but for him, I mean, you know, listen – we're not going to declare him Justin Tucker, just get it to midfield and you got three. But it, it does have to change Kevin Stefanski's thinking on play calling. And, and he's always going to be aggressive. He's he's going to go for it more times than not on fourth and three. And I have no problem with that. I love it. I love the aggressiveness. I love the fact that every time a team has a silly penalty on an extra point, Kevin goes for two. And, and he did it against the yeah. Chiefs. He did it today. He did not do it. I think that it was the same instance in either Houston or Chicago. And they just went ahead and kept the kept the point on the board. They didn't do it then. Uh, but more times than not, he's going to be aggressive. But just having somebody that I think you have some confidence in that can put it through the uprights has to give you a little bit more wiggle room in your play calling. Listen, if you always win on third down 
and always win in the two minute situations and no one wins them all, then you're going to win. Right. And, yeah. and like, you know, getting points going into a half or needing points late in a game and knowing you can get them works. And even if you look at today's circumstances and score as a complete outlier, but look at the Browns are built and think that they're going to have a lot of chances where they're, they're up two or five or seven, Jason, with 10 minutes to go. And it's a healthy dose of 24 and 27. And the defense catches on to that, right? And you need to make a 48 yarder to push two to five or five to eight or six to a two possession game. I mean, knowing you can do that and being able to play for that, especially on days when your quarterback is struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a positive. That's a, that's a major positive. All right. We've rambled too long, but, I want to. I want to say this. I, I want. I, I don't want to leave on a negative note because I think the Browns played well today, as weird as it was. But I do think, even though I'm not pressing the panic button, I think there's a little bit of concern about the quarterback, and there's a lot of concern about the left tackle. Because even though Chris Hubbard has all this experience, he's not giving you at left tackle what a healthy Jed Wills is doing. And it looks like the cart coming out today and leaving a game for the. Th- for the third straight week, it looks like he's going to need some time off, right? And the Browns, the next two games, play Joey Bosa and Chandler Jones. And then they play Vivon Miller after that. And then they play T.J. Watt after that. Jeez. (laughs) So, um, I guess I would just say I feel way better about the Browns' defense than I thought I would at any point, but especially in the first weekend of October – I also think it's fair without pressing the panic button to leave here with some pretty significant concerns about the offense. Is that, is that a fair way to shape it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Absolutely. With the way. Yeah. Especially like you said, Baker's erraticness over the last couple of weeks. And now knowing that you're probably not going to have, you very well could have a rookie at left tackle next week against the chargers. That's yeah. I, I think that's reason to be concerned for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Listen, Kareem Hunt was awesome again, and and Nick Chubb just understated, just grinded it out to 100 yards. Um, The Browns ran for five yards a carry on a day that every single yard counted, right? Um, Michael Pierce gave them fits, and Sheldon Richardson gave them fits. They they found a way, right? So um, you go back to the blueprint of the defense and and Miles and JOK doing it, Malik Jackson delivering. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I was skeptical on Malik Jackson. I've said it before. He's 31 years old, and if his best football wasn't behind him, he wouldn't be available for the Browns on a one-year cheap contract in March. But here he is playing his ass off. Here's Malik McDowell four games in, four years into his career, playing his ass off, right? Here's Tack. We didn't know where he was a month, six weeks ago. Making plays, giving the skull sign to the fans. <laughs> and, like, that – to me, it's just encur- the most encouraging thing other than the 3-1 and one record, right, is that you're seeing it develop how the front office envisioned it. And when you have heard Stefanski in his rare moments of letting us inside talk about saving the backs for later in the year and having a plan to have them fresh and use them, and knowing that they don't play the Steelers until Halloween and they don't play the Ravens till after Thanksgiving, right? Like, be most encouraged. Be concerned, sure, but be most encouraged by this plan appears to be right on schedule, the Cleveland Browns being 3-1. and one. Any closing yeah. thoughts? Uh, no, Rashard Higgins caught a ball and didn't dance, and Austin Hooper made a catch and didn't fall down. <laughs> Those are my closing thoughts. 
Yeah, um, the tight end thing is is flummoxing, and specifically if they're not going to hit the deep ones and they're not going to target DPJ, that they need more from the tight. They need more from the passing game. So I would say this: um, for a long time, the Browns have needed more from the passing game. I'm talking about years back, not weeks back, right? And and it just wasn't coming, guys. But like I trust it between Stefanski and Van Pelt and Baker and Odell. And Hooper, I think they wanted to get Njoku involved more today, and I think if, had the game gone a little bit differently, that they would have. Um, you know, Kareem is is extremely involved in the past game, obviously. Man, I, he was what, – what, what, I, I lost the stats here. 13 of 30, Baker was? 15, 15 of 33. Yeah. Passer rating of 59 and a half. That's a failing grade, even at Kent State. It's a failing freaking (laughs) grade. Again, Vikings 5 of 16 on third down. Held the 255 total yards. Only ran 60. You run more plays, you run for five a pop. You win in the margins, you're going to win. Browns are pretty good. Browns got some concerns. Celebrate them being three and one. I was going to say when's the last time. Well, it was last year too. <laughs> um, we're, we're grading on a different scale, and that's fine. That's good. That means progress. I think internally they're being graded on a different scale too. But I just think they have to really love what they see out of the defense because I think they, between the coach and the quarterback, they think it eventually will come around. We'll all be watching closely. Thanks for listening to Say Wise Brain.